We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Today is Thursday, August 24th, 2023, the Feast of St. Jane Francis de Chantel. Now, this saint is someone I had never heard of before, and I was reading her life, and I honestly was overcome with sorrow, and you'll know why when I tell you the story. Now, St. Jane was alive in the around the 16th, early 17th century, and she was a widow of the Baron of Chantel and the co-founder with St. Francis de Sales of the Order of Visitation. Whenever she was a widow and she wanted to go off to start this convent, she prepared to leave her family. And this was a very emotional situation. And she ends up going before her father-in-law and she kneels before him and she confesses to him and tells and asks her his forgiveness for any of the things that she may have done that would have wronged him. And she asked for a blessing from him and protection. Now, then she goes to her father, her biological father, and does the same thing to him. And you can imagine this situation playing out in your mind of this very holy woman and widow doing so. And she asked that they take care of her son. And her father blesses her departure, saddened by her leaving, but supportive of her calling. She even says as much, saying that he desires that she stay, but knows that she has a higher calling. And here is where it becomes the most sad. Her 14-year-old son, imagine your 14-year-old son, if this was you, her 14-year-old son clung onto her neck, begging her to not leave. And she would not change her mind. And so he says, I am not strong enough to hold you here. And so he lays across the door and says, then you must step over your son if you wish to leave. And she, covered in tears, weeps and leaves to start the convent. Now, this is a very beautiful and sad event, but it shows us that the life of the contemplative life is so important. Is answering the call that God gives us is so important. And she didn't abandon her family in the sense that her father and father-in-law were both there to take care of her son, who is already near adulthood, especially in that time. Adulthood would have been about 16 years of old. And she leaves and she goes to start this convent. The conviction that she would find God everywhere, despite leaving her loved ones behind. She even apologizes to everybody for her lack of holiness. She said, if I was holier, I would not weep because we recognize that when we do the will of God, even if it seems sad for us, it is glorious in heaven. So it shows us the gravity and solemnity of religious vocation, especially during that time, and the sacrifices and separation that's required for us to do a commitment to Almighty God. We think of what our Lord says. We have to hate father and mother, brother and sister if we are to follow him. So St. Jane's actions reflect a profound understanding of religious life, family, and sacrifice for a higher purpose. Let us pray that we have this grace always, 
that we can dedicate our life to Almighty God, that we put everything, everything secondary to doing the will of God in our lives. And we pray that our family members have devotion to our Lord, even if it means that they leave our comforts for a life of holiness. St. Jane Francis de Chantel, pray for us. Good morning to you. I hope you're having a blessed Thursday. Uh, joining us right now is Cecil Anderson. She's running the board this morning. Good morning to you, Cecil. Good morning, Adrian. Today is my Friday. There you go. That's right. That's right. Because uh, you're off for tomorrow. I am off for tomorrow. I'm on retreat tomorrow. So I will not be here. So this is my last slot on CDT. Well, there you go. Uh, prayers for Sissel. She's going to do an axe retreat. So if you would spare a extra Ave or maybe a decade on your rosary today for Sissel, I would be grateful. And I'm sure she'd be grateful as well. Yes, please. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I think Sissel's done an amazing job uh, running the board and reading the news. And I think uh, people are going to miss you. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I've had a lot of fun. Um, my, my sleep has had not as much fun, but I have had fun. Once I've gotten up and I've gotten here, I've had fun. <laughs> the you, first uh, alarm going off is not fun. Did you sleep a little bit last night? I did sleep a little bit. I took some medicine last night because I wasn't feeling that well and kind of knocked me out. So, Well, yeah. I'm glad that you at least got uh, some sleep under the belt. I, you know, they say that the, the, it's the night before that impacts your sleep the next day, not the actual that sleep that night. Oh, and interesting. Because so, um, like today, I feel just like horrible, even though I slept like 10 hours last night. But the night before, I slept two. And I felt better yesterday than I do today. And I'm like, what's up with that? That's odd. So um, hopefully that means that tomorrow you'll feel great. I, I think that's I think that's the trend. <laughs> I'm going to go with that anyway. <laughs> well, well, let me know. Let me know. We're going to test this theory today. We're going <laughs> to test this theory today. I got an email from a listener. They created this website called blessedbehisholyface.com. Blessedbehisholyface.com. And I want to give it a shout out because they've given away free um, resources in regards to the Holy Face devotion. So if you would like a medal of the, of the Holy Face, um, a little card on how to pray the, um, the chaplet of the Holy Face, and you want information about the, his Holy Face and all these different things, I highly recommend checking out Blessed Be His Holy Face. They've actually sent me um, free little um, medals and cards in the past uh, for my personal use, and I've been very grateful. And so if you would like to see those and be able to receive them and, um, and read more about their website, I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, free Holy Face medals. You can get all that and tons of information about um, the devotion that many people don't are not aware of. We've done a few shows on the Holy Face in the past, and I definitely want to support this devotion. So go in and check it out. BlessedBeIsHolyFace.com. You can get some free resources there. Uh, so check that out. All right. Let's see. Um, before we jump in, I, you know, I was just thinking, anytime someone uses a blasphemy, just, just shout out. Praise be his holy name. Just say it. And you don't even have to shout it out. Just You can say it out loud if someone says, um, oh, my God, and just respond, praise be his holy name. And, and I guarantee you, if you start doing that, people will stop blaspheming because they don't want to hear you say that. One of my friends would always say if someone said, oh, my God, she'd say, finish your prayer, please. 
<laughs> or she'd say amen. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. One thing I would do, uh, I start I'm trying to do this now, but this is something I used to do. When someone would be like, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. I would just I would say, what about him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, what about Jesus Christ? Did you have something more to say there? Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's something that's a, a little less confrontational, but, you know, you can, it's slightly humorous, but you're still able to, like, make it a more of a holy moment. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What do you do whenever you hear blasphemy? I'd be very curious. Let me know. If you're watching on our social media streams, you can uh, let me know. What do you do when you hear blasphemy? And if you're listening on the radio, you can always email me, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. There you can email me. My email is listed there. At 15 past the hour, more than 120 are arrested in Pakistan after a mob burned down Christian churches and homes. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. I want to get into the story in depth today. At 30 past the hour, Thomas More, can you be a good Catholic and a good lawyer? 30 past the hour, we're talking to Ryan Grant about St. Thomas More. In the next hour, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today will be joining us. I believe we're talking about the virtues, so you can talk about that coming up in the next hour, plus our Fear and Trembling game show as always. Let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Immaculata, Queen of Heaven and Earth, Refuge of Sinners, and our most loving Mother, God has willed to entrust the entire order of mercy to you. I, a repentant sinner, cast myself at your feet, humbly imploring you to take me with all that I am and have, holy to yourself as your possession and property. Please make of me of all my powers of soul and body, of my whole life, death, and eternity, whatever most pleases you. If it pleases you, use all that I am and have without reserve, holy to accomplish what was said of you. She will crush your head, and you alone have destroyed all heresies in the world. Let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and merciful hands for introducing and increasing your glory to the maximum in all the many strayed and indifferent souls, and thus help extend as far as possible the blessed kingdom of the most sacred heart of Jesus. For wherever you enter, you obtain the grace of conversion and growth and holiness, since it is through your hands that all graces come to us for the most sacred heart of Jesus. Allow me to praise you, O sacred virgin. Give me strength against your enemies. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee, and for those who do not have recourse to thee, especially for the Freemasons and those commended to thy care. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now your headline news with Cecil Anderson. Thank you, Adrian. Good morning, everyone, and you're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. In pro-life news, Catholic News Agency reports that South Carolina's Supreme Court ruled that a law protecting unborn babies with detectable heartbeats can go into effect. This 4-1 to ruling ended a circuit court's injunction that temporarily blocked the Fetal Heartbeat and Protection Abortion Act that Governor Henry McMaster signed in May. McMaster said in an online post on Wednesday, the Supreme Court's ruling marks a historic moment in our state's history and is the culmination of years of hard work and determination by so many in our state to ensure that the sanctity of life is protected. With this victory, we protect the lives of countless unborn children and reaffirm South Carolina's place as one of the most pro-life states in America. Going from the East Coast to the Midwest, we have another win. A Catholic farmer in Michigan, previously banned from selling his products at a farmer's market because his company adheres to the Catholic teaching on same-sex marriage, wins his court battle. Steve Tenz is the owner of County Mill Farms, which not only produces delicious fruit, it also serves as a wedding venue, which is why he posted online that they would not host same-sex marriages due to their Catholic faith. Following that post, the city decided to ban him, the farm, from participating in the local farmer's market, something they had been 
been doing for six years with no issue. This action sparked a seven-year fight for justice that ended just this week when U.S. District Court Judge Paul Maloney found that the city's refusal to allow tens to participate in the farmer's market violated his constitutional rights under the Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment. Ten says that he and his wife have always made their faith part of their business, their faith being something that goes far beyond Sunday morning. Do you know where you're going to be on October 10th? No? Well, if you don't have plans, might I recommend you be in New York, New York City? I'll explain why in the next news segment. Back to you, Adrian. Thank you very much, Cecil, for keeping us up to date. The gospel of the day, because actually today the saint of the day is also Saint Bartholomew, which is actually the probably the more relevant uh, saint. Most people will see that at Mass today. Saint Bartholomew the Apostle. So it's John chapter 1, verses 45 through 51, which is the calling of Nathaniel. And you're thinking, well, why is the gospel passage not the calling of Bartholomew? And Cornelius Lapide addresses this, and he says, Nathaniel is actually Bartholomew. Now there, he lays out a couple of the opinions on, in regards to this topic, but the consensus is that this is Bartholomew. Why is this, there are two different names here? Well, because of Bartholomew, according to Cornelius Lapide, is not the proper name of him. It's actually Nathaniel. The proper name is Nathaniel, and he is referred to as Bartholomew because Bar refers to son of, kind of like Simon Bar Jonah, and he's saying Simon, son of Jonah. And so Bartholomew was actually a reference to who his family was and not a reference to his name. And so actually he's Cornelius Lapide saying that Nathaniel is Bartholomew. And he said, this is why we do not see anywhere in any of the Gospels a calling of Bartholomew because the calling of Nathaniel was it. Now, the last thing I want to refer to, there's much that could be said here. Very, very much that could be said here. But here we see the famous verse that everyone refers to when thinking about the calling of vocation to religious life. And Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip saith to him, come and see. Now come and see. The Syriac says, come and thou shalt see. I will not dispute with thee about Nazareth, but come, see and hear Jesus. And you shall experience what I have experienced, that you may be ravished with his love and believe that he is the very Christ. St. Chrysostom says, Philip does not tell him how he is the Christ and how the prophets have foretold, but he leads him to Jesus, knowing that he will not go away from him if he tastes his words and his doctrine. If you only see him, he says, if you only speak with him, you will at once agree with me. We ought to believe, says St. Cyril, that there was a certain unspeakable loveliness in the words of Christ. This is true today. So let us meditate upon this today. Let us refer back to our Lord Jesus Christ and direct people to him. Yes, philosophical arguments are good. Theological arguments are great. But at the end of the day, we have to draw people in and say, come and see. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the Encyclopedia, is meant for everybody, and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. 
the Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org. Hey Donnie, what do we say when we make the sign of the cross? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Did Mama teach you that? As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, it's good to be here with you, despite the fact that there are crazy things in the news. Always crazy things. Always. And this particular story is very concerning. We're going to jump into it. But before we do, I wanted to let you know um, that there is, you know, people are struggling. People are struggling in this life. And... You know, I was reading the commentary of Cornelius Lapide a couple of weeks ago, and you might remember this if you listen every day, where he talks about the Jesuit order, because Cornelius Lapide was a Jesuit in, the, I believe, the 1600s, if I remember correctly. And he was talking about how the Jesuits thrive under persecution. Whenever they have great adversity to overcome, it causes them to be more fervent and to be more faithful and when things are comfortable and things are easy, then it becomes harder to practice the faith. And there's two sides to this coin that I'm thinking about. One is the story that we're going to jump into about the a Muslim mob burning down churches and vandalizing homes of Christians in Jaranwala, a city in the Punjab province. And this story we're going to talk about. But also, I just got an email, and I won't mention the name of the person because I didn't ask them if I could um, mention them as a person, and they said here, they sent this uh, message. They said, Dear Adrian, super happy to hear you back on air. I'm shy to ask this, but I feel I must because you're clearly in love with the Lord and living to love him. Uh, praise be to God. I hope that I am. Um, I heard you mention several times that your mother asked if you were ready to be a martyr. I'm sure I am not ready and that I need a conversion. Amen. We should definitely pray for that conversion every day. I mean, I pray every day that I have the grace to be a martyr. I don't know if I will. I pray that I will. It's a scary thing to think about, but a glorious thing to think about. She says, I ask for your prayers. So I find a friend that is a practicing Catholic in a community of like-minded practicing Catholics. I do not have a community of lay Catholic friends. My parents, God love them are pretty much it. My brothers are not super not practicing, nor is my extended family. I'm guessing that your suggestion would be to start by getting involved with my local parish. I really need to make it my goal and to seek out Catholic community. Please, if possible, write back and share other suggestions. Otherwise, if you cannot write back, no worries. Maybe you can address this as a topic on air. With the changing times and nuns, and especially considering Archbishop Caput's book below, I am concerned. God bless you and your mother and your family. Uh, keep on keeping on. You know, this message, um, it really struck me because if it's relation to this other topic, these are two different persecutions one is a physical persecution of a destruction of the church physically and the other one is a more lax laxation uh, the spirit of sloth 
where most Catholics don't really care. And because of that, for those Catholics that do care, it often becomes very lonely. And there's almost this kind of persecution there where you just feel like you're alone. You're abandoned. You have no one else around. And this is why things like Catholic radio, social media, despite the, the flaws with social media, there is a good thing that we can create these kind of pockets of community despite the fact that there is a lot of bad on social media. Um, and I'm going to give my thoughts further on this, but I actually want to ask Sissel about what she thinks about this, uh, this question. Yeah, you know, I, I I hear the pain of, you know, not having that community. It's something so, so vitally important. Um, my parents were big advocates. Um, I grew up Protestant or I grew up part of the time Protestant and Protestants tend to change churches frequently. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so my uh, friend groups would change frequently and my community would change. But my parents were very big on getting involved very quickly because they wanted they knew how important that community is. And I'm very blessed that they were like that because um, my mom passed away when I was 20 and my dad no longer lives in the area. So my church family is my community and uh, I'm very blessed to have those people to talk to. And it's it's scary to go to things on your own, to start things on your own. But I would just encourage the person who emailed in um, to maybe just take that leap of faith and find something at the church that you can volunteer with and kind of open up your heart. Yeah, for sure. And really that's I would I would recommend um, finding a parish that is incredibly faithful. Um, obviously, my personal suggestion would be find a traditional Latin mass parish. There's usually a lot of young people there, a lot of people ready to um, engage in community. Um, but that could be the case at your parish as well, at any parish. The personal ordinary chair of St. Peter might be good for you, um, or maybe you can find a very reverent uh, parish in your diocese. The but uh, those are the recommendations that have because at those parishes there's kind of a a selection bias one might say a selection bias where you people kind of segregate themselves into these kind of communities because they're more reverent because they're more traditional and because of that they are there are more people who tend to be more fervent for the faith because people are driving like if you're a local parish a lot of people go there because it's five minutes down the road. Uh, whereas if you go into the traditional Latin Mass, a lot of people drive over an hour to get there. And so those are the kind of people who are trying to live out these things. Uh, the downside is because everybody drives so far to get there, sometimes there's a lack of community because they're just so, everybody's so far away. I know my friends live all across Houston and we kind of gather together like once a month. We kind of throw some, one of us will throw some kind of event and we'll all commune at one of our houses. Uh, or apartments and things like that to be able to have community. It's a very unfortunate, but this is kind of a, a cross where we kind of have to feel a little bit alone. And it's, and it's something that is uh, very sorrowful. And it, is, it makes me think of the saint of the day from this morning. Yeah, we sometimes we have to rend ourselves. We have to have this kind of loneliness. And we have to hate father, mother, brother, sister for the sake of Christ. Now, whenever it's the gospel says hate, Cornelius Lapide points out that by hate, it means to love less. And we have to love God more. And there's going to be a suffering there sometimes where we have to be able to seek out these people because they exist. They're there. There's a lot of people in your community that are faithful and they're probably in the same boat as you are. They're probably in the same boat as you are. They don't know where to gather. They don't know where to find these communities. And maybe 
this was God calling you to say, you're going to have to be the one to create it. You're going to have to be the one to say, you know what? I'm going to deliberately set aside time to create community. And maybe you can advertise it um, on social medias. Maybe reach out to parishes and things like this. It's something that is very, I mean, it's real. It is a real problem. And it's very difficult. I would also recommend, and I, I hate to recommend social media because I just think everybody it would be better off if we destroyed social media in general, but you really can find good communities of Catholics on social media. I know I have a lot of friends who have been made great friends for life on social media. I have friends who have invited their Twitter friends uh, to their weddings and things like that. And so it's real. It's really there and it can happen. It's difficult and it's not exactly the same, but it's a good place to start. And from there, you can connect with others, um, especially in the area that you're at. I don't know what um, city that you're in, but there, those things exist. Those people exist. You just have to seek it out. Um, and onto this story from LifeSite News about the people being attacked here. As more than 120 people have been arrested after violent riots saw Christian churches and homes set ablaze in a town in Pakistan. A Muslim mob burned down churches and vandalized the homes of Christians in Jaranawala, a city in the Punjab province, on August 16th, following the blasphemous allegations against two Christian men. Now, what were the blasphemous allegations against these two Christian men? They burned or they tore out a page of the Quran. They were accused of tearing pages from the Quran and throwing the book, considering considered the holy book in Islam, on the ground. So this is a crime punishable by death in Islamic countries. This is very interesting. This is very interesting because I know there are some Catholics who think that we should reverence the Quran. There are some Catholics who believe that we should kiss Qurans. And I think that that is wrong. And I think that all Christians until today would have agreed that that was wrong. That that's a not a proper understanding of the Quran because the Quran is actually a demonic book. It can only be a demonic book. Why? Well, either Muhammad was a, we could do the, uh, the trick with C.S. Lewis and Jesus where he says our Lord is liar, lunatic, or Lord. Well, I would say that Muhammad is either a liar and he made up the whole thing himself, in which case the Quran is simply just the writings of this man. You might say it's a fan fiction of the Bible or he's insane. This guy just like had um, he just was in, and a crazy person who just rambled and thought that he had visions of God, but really he didn't. Or maybe he is possessed. Maybe it was not the angel Gabriel who appeared to him and gave him the Quran, but it was a demon from hell who gave him the Quran. Or maybe he's telling the truth that we should all be Muslim. I would say that it was probably the third option. It was probably the fact that the angel Gabriel was not actually the angel Gabriel. Because what do we know from Holy Scripture? That the devil can appear as an angel of light. And we have to remember when, when Muhammad was given the Quran, according to himself, he was hurt by the angel. The angel crushed him and forced him to recite. And according to Hadith regarding Muhammad, he thought that he was possessed and his wife convinced him that he was not. And then he gets the Quran. So this book is a demonic book, in my opinion, and we should not be reverencing it. And this book, it was desecrated. I would not say the word desecrated. It was destroyed by two Christians. And to stand up for the Christian faith and to reject a false faith in their country is punishable by death. 
Now, while the death sentence has reportedly never been carried out for someone who convicted of blasphemy, it often will lead to violent riots, including lynchings, killings of the alleged blasphemers. There's many videos on social media showing the churches and Christian homes being attacked by a mob and police seemingly standing by without intervening. I say seemingly standing by, but later reports have reported that the police came out saying, oh, no, no, we didn't step in because we didn't want to escalate the tensions. We didn't want to risk losing lives. Hmm. Very interesting. Very, very interesting situation. So this is happening. And how many media outlets are talking about it? Have you heard of a single secular media outlet talking about it? I haven't. I have not heard a single one. And yet these things keep happening. And what do we see throughout the world? But an attack on Christianity. What happens to someone when they attack Christianity? What happens when they blaspheme the holy name of Jesus? What happens when they desecrate the Bible? When they ban it from schools? What happens? Nothing. Nothing. We don't even speak out against it. This is something that is very concerning. And these kind of attacks on Christians will only lead to further attacks. It will only lead to further destruction of the faith and eventually the persecution of the faith. So I ask that we all keep these people in our prayers, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and that we recognize the truth of the gospel and recognize the beauty of the holy name of Jesus. And we stand up for Holy Mother Church and we do not allow people to blaspheme our Lord, our Lady, the saints, the holy doctrines of the church, that we have the courage to stand up. And when we stand up, we can look to our left and our right, and we will find our community there. Those who are willing to stand up for Holy Mother Church, those are our brothers and sisters. We'll be right back and talk about Thomas More with Ryan Grant coming up next. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is, and we are known as his children, we are, and the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters, they are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran whose soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right, their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us. Hi, I'm Adam Bly. And I'm Debbie Giorgiani from The Spirit World. Please join us this Saturday as we discuss the powerful sacrament of reconciliation and its role in spiritual warfare. That's this Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen to The Spirit World with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. Visit grnonline.com slash spiritworld. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Cecil Anderson, and here are some more breaking news headlines for your Thursday morning. LifeSite News reports that the Biden administration's new director for the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention is disappointed that states have the power to ban abortion. Dr. Mandy Cohen, former secretary of the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services, took over leadership of the CDC from controversial predecessor Dr. Rochelle Walensky. She told Time Magazine, quote, I'm so disappointed that we are here, that we are having the conversation to... revisit whether or not women should have access to health care when they need it. And you know, I will say as a mom of two daughters, a physician, and now the director of the CDC, I'm going to continue to make sure that we are working to make sure women have access to care when they need it, and they have medical treatment when they need it. At this moment, 15 states currently ban all or most abortions, with available data so far indicating that pro-life state laws could effectively wipe out an estimated 200,000 abortions a year. While states like Alabama continue to block laws that would take away parental lives, rights when it comes to the matters of minors and gender transitions, a New Jersey judge last week temporarily blocked three school districts in the state from enforcing rules requiring teachers to notify parents if their children are identifying as the opposite sex at school. Monmouth County Judge David Bauman issued the preliminary injunction last Friday, declaring that the state has demonstrated a reasonable probability of success on its claim that the amended policies, if implemented, will have a disparate impact on transgender, gender nonconforming, and non-binary youth. This came after New Jersey's Democratic Attorney General Matthew Platkin sued three school districts for implementing rules requiring parental notification if a child wanted to change his or her name, preferred pronouns, and bathroom choice while at school due to an alleged alternative gender identity. Interestingly, Insider NJ reported that 77% of New Jersey adults and 85% of New Jersey parents of minor children believe that parental notification ought to be mandatory. 55% of adults and 59% of parents of minors say schools should notify even if they are not legally required to do so. Now, why should you be in New York City on October 10th? To join in a Eucharistic procession led by Father Mike Schmitz. The Napa Institute is sponsoring this procession that will begin and end at St. Patrick's Cathedral. It will serve as a kickoff for the Institute's Principled Entrepreneurship Conference. Father Mike Schmitz will celebrate Mass before leading the procession, ending with benediction, all events being open to the public. The Sisters of Life and Diocesan Priests from the Archdiocese of New York and the Diocese of Rockville Center will also participate in the procession. Father Mike invited people to come in a video online saying that public participation in a Eucharistic procession is a small martyrdom, simply by giving our time and demonstrating, revealing that we believe in the love of God and Jesus given to us in the Eucharist. That's all my headlines. Back to you, Adrian. And, well, well thank you very much. That's, that's really great. I think uh, Eucharistic processions, we need more of those, not less. If we can have um, Eucharistic processions, and if you can't make it there, you know what I think... You should just talk to your pastor and be like, hey, Father, can we should I do our own. one? Yeah. yeah. I say, yeah, if you can't get over to New York City, which I know a lot, everyone is going to be able to do that, yeah, we should have like concurring ones. Yeah, for sure. That'd be so cool. Uh, maybe even um, maybe contact your, your cathedral and see yes. if you can have like a giant one in every diocese. That'd be super awesome. That would be great. Uh, joining us right now is Ryan Grant. He is the editor in chief of Mediatrix Press. Good morning to you, Ryan. Good morning. Now, Ryan, you we were talking the other day, and we were, you were saying, you know, I'd love to talk about Thomas More, and 
I think Thomas More is a saint uh, for our times, especially, you know, I was thinking about the fact that Thomas More, you know, he's well known for him being a lawyer. Um, but the thing is that made me think about him, though, was the fact that all these lawyers are getting are getting indicted right now. They had, what was it, like 15 of them that were uh, indicted, including Jenna Ellis, who is a devout uh, Protestant. Um, what say you, Ryan? Why do you think that um, Thomas More is relevant today? He's relevant today, not just because he was a lawyer that was that, that's a saint. <laughs> Imagine that. Rather, he you know he had to live uh, in just as he kept like an ambiguity of, an ambiguity of mind on various things. Where he could always keep his own opinion, give both sides <clears throat> of any kind of question, but always do so with like the the utmost justice. He was the most concerned for God's truth, God's church, the unity of God's church. And so everything he did as a lawyer, everything he did in his career, uh, was basically guided, you know, by the church spiritually. And so, um, all his doings were ethical. And, and even in later in life, when he took over the Lord Chancellorship after Cardinal Wolsey's fall, um, you know, and he's got the job basically of being the chief judge. You know, nobody could, you know, he accumulated, you know, a few enemies and being the, being the top judge, you get a few more. And nobody could find anything to, you know, rebuke him for. His public career was just as impeccable. And so he, um, so everything he did is basically, you know, law itself kind of mirrors a certain hierarchy in the church, right? And so in God's creation, so he looks at it, everything he does in, in, in law as a jurist is all about, you know, following the same hierarchy and order that you do in the church. So, you know, so that, that's the first thing is that, you know, the phrase, um, you know, the king's good servant, but God's first, right? And then that, that goes basically with everything. And so, whereas, he, you know, I, I don't know much about the uh, the lawyers indicted in, in, in Georgia. You know, I certainly hope they're above the level. And obviously there's there's things about that indictment that are a bit fishy. But in general, the lawfare and the, the character of lawyers in society, not just in our own society. I mean, the, the philosopher Plato said he can judge the health of a society by how many lawyers it has. <laughs> if it's got too many, it's, it's, it's not actually a good sign for its overall health. So... You know, in our society, there's just lawyers everywhere, and you get dragged into the quarter for the slightest thing that, mm-hmm. that ruins your life and fees and all these things. And so a lot of lawyers are unscrupulous. And that's true in the 16th century, too. There's lawyers who are unscrupulous who, uh, you know, don't quite have, like, a moral compass. And so, you know, Moore's is, you know, it looks like, you know, too, in terms of, like, the justice, justness of the law and doing things right, but also, you know, being devout, you know, in, in church and everything, but for them, they're really the same thing. You know, being a good good lawyer is part of, you know, being a good Catholic. You know, it's it's interesting because the situation of today, you know, I was talking to a friend not that long ago, and she was um, asking me about, you know, she was like, you know, I have a friend who's a lawyer, and he defended this guy who he knows is guilty of murder, and he was able to get him off of murder. And she was asking, is that, is that okay? Like if you're just doing your job as a lawyer and you're like, I was hired to defend this guy and everyone has a right to a defense. Um, and so therefore, I mean, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I, my, my, my first inclination to say, no, hey, how could you possibly do that? But right. I, I don't know. I would say you, Ryan Grant. Yeah, that's, uh, 
Well, there, there's a disparity in the, the English and the American approach on that. So the American approach is, well, everyone has the right to a defense, and therefore, okay, you know, well, you did it, and so, but you know, you have the right to be defended. So um, I'll go out there and make your case. Whatever I happen to think of you is irrelevant. I, I'm your advocate, and that's my job. And that's kind of the American approach to it. The English approach, even today, is that it, it's contrary to ethics for a barrister to uh, defend a case where he has been made aware that the client is this client is guilty. You know, he, he he needs to then you know advise the client to, to make a guilty plea or withdraw from the case. But he, it's considered unethical to, especially in the case of a capital. Well, uh, do they still have the death penalty in Britain? I don't think so. But in any major serious crime like that, to you know to defend somebody you know is guilty you just can't do it so and that's true in those days as well you know but it's a, a difference about how the the jurisprudence works so in this case you know uh your friend's lawyer lawyer friend is following you know the standard practices that that are, are endorsed by the american bar association all these things but i you know i would think that my conscience anyway i would not be able to, if i were a lawyer um, I'd almost certainly be a defense lawyer just because of my anti-authoritarian nature. Of things. But <laughs> on the other hand, it's um, I would never be able to defend somebody who told me he was guilty. I'm like, I'm sorry, you can look to these attorneys and these attorneys. We're obviously bound by mm. confidentiality, and you can trust I'm going to keep that, but I can't defend you. That, that would be my tack is, is, you know, don't tell me you're guilty. I don't want to know. As long as I don't know in conscience, I can do this. But in the, that, that's, that, that, that for me, and, yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, I, I just don't want to come down and morally apply that in, in a way where, you know, your profession says it's okay and you just look at, well, I'm providing a defense. In that sense, you could make that argument and you're doing that. But, you know, I don't know, conscience-wise for myself, I don't know how I could square that. And I don't see that Thomas More could either. Yeah, that's something that I thought, I was. I, that was kind of my inclination too. And I was just kind of trying to balance that. And I was thinking, what would what would the saint lawyers do in those situations? And uh, is there, were there any other saint lawyers other than Thomas More? Well, actually, there's, you know, we always joke about lawyers. And um, there's that old joke, you know, where... Um, you know, God says to Satan, well, I'm going to take you to court. And then Satan says, what's well, perfect? Because I got all the lawyers, right? <laughs> um, in truth, uh, there's actually a good number. Well, I'm going to have to cut you off right lawyers. there. And because we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I'll let you answer that question. What other saint lawyers are out there other than Thomas More? Uh, plus, we're going to talk a little bit more about this book. Mediatrix Press has out on St. Thomas More. All this coming up. Coming up on Catholic Drive Time, don't go anywhere. More with Ryan Grant with Mediatrics Press coming up right after this. Arm yourself for the daily spiritual battle. Visit St. Michael's Armory for beautiful sacramentals, recast antique metals and religious jewelry, and our exclusive sterling silver and wool brown scapulars. Take up these means to strengthen your soul and arm yourself well for the battle of life. StMichaelsArmory.com That's StMichaelsArmory.com Spiritual armor for the battle of life. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. One word of advice that we hear from couples with great marriages is to make a regular date night a priority. Spending dedicated time alone with your spouse is an essential foundation for a vibrant marriage. 
date night's a time for busy couples to look at each other and say, I remember you. We know making time for each other can be hard, especially when there are children around, but that's actually when it's most important. Never allow your children or busy schedules to become an excuse for not prioritizing your marriage. When we had young children, sometimes on a Friday night, one of us would put the kids to bed and the other would set up the living room with candles and flowers and fun food. Or we would ask friends to watch our kids and we would do the same for them. Or we would get up early and spend an hour or so alone before the children woke up. There are many ways that you can carve out time to focus on your relationship, but you have to be intentional. For more information about our next virtual date night, join our newsletter at MessyFamilyMinute.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We're talking with Ryan Grant. He is the editor-in-chief of Mediatrics Press. I love Mediatrics Press. I actually purchased every single book that Mediatri- Mediatrics Press has on the Dominican Order. He has uh, quite a few, but he needs more. Um, but there's a, there's quite a few on the Dominican life, on St. Dominic, on Albert the Great. And I have all of them. And I've read almost all of them. Um, they Ryan puts out some of the best stuff. And the, his bread and butter, though, is uh, Robert Bellarmine. He's, that's his, uh, he's translating that himself. And the But relevant to our conversation, he has a book out called St. Thomas More. Uh, tell me about this book before we get back into our discussion. So this book um, is is a life. Uh, it, it's a really good biography of St. Thomas More that considers his life as well as his writings, and it's based primarily on um, you know the earliest accounts. That's that's the combination of Roper's, um, the Jesuit Thomas Stapleton, who put together various uh, you know accounts. Also, made use of Roper's and, and wrote a book in Latin for the continent. But he has information there that's also drawn from traditions in the more and, uh, like Cress Acre Moore and you know, other more children, <clears throat> grandchildren, et cetera, that had, you know, anecdotes about Thomas that survive. And so, you know, so Reynolds, you know, he pulls that together in combination with state papers, uh, a number of other sources, and, and just gives you the, you know, the, the meat and potatoes, the biography of whom uh, Moore was, mm. but from a Catholic perspective, which is so important. And uh, I've probably read none, I don't know seven or eight books on more plus, you know, other academic essays. And it's funny when you get into the weeds in the secular uh, place, you find people who are really hostile to more and they'll, they'll twist facts. They'll, they'll uh, make ridiculous assertions that aren't based, you know, and but you know, it'll just be in there just like everything else. They assert it as fact, but it, there's no basis for it in the, the source material. The tradition is basically the, the author's opinion passed off in the secular literature as a fact like one will be that Thomas More and his wife, his second wife Alice, didn't get along. And they'll always put that in there. Why? Well, in this case, it'll be because Erasmus and um, Andrea Monio, who lived with More at that time, two two other humanists, uh, they didn't like her. Well, the reason they didn't like her is because Alice was a really practical woman and she was trying to reorganize More's household and he's got all these humanist buddies basically who are invited themselves to, you know, unlimited wine and food at, at, at his expense. Mm. She decides to, you know, just to give them the boot. No, you're not going to get that anymore. So they decide to get the revenge in print by depicting her in, in the worst terms. Um, and the, the fact is that she was, and then other people read in because she was she was upset because he wouldn't swear the act of royal supremacy at the end. It was power. But you can understand her as much as she doesn't understand these matters. 
and now here you are. It, it was actually because of her love for him that you know that that she was so upset, um, <clears throat> more so than anything else. But she was very witty, but in a very streetwise way. Moore was extremely witty, but in an educated way. And so the two of them, you know, it, it worked really well. I mean, she squared the circle of his life between all the things he had to do and raising his children and, and a lot of the traditions of the Moore household too. Which she got along famously with more daughters, his sons, you know, she just fit, you know, where she was. But she also had the wit and the humor to keep him, you know, on his toes. Amen. But, you know, they had, they did have a very good complimentary relationship. So, anyway, so this book that, that I saw and more uh, is really great with all of the, you know, so many of these details of his life. It has a good consideration of his writings, especially Utopia, which is a hard one. Because there's so much nonsense about that, because people have misused that ever since uh, Friedrich Engels, who was uh, uh, Marx's companion, mm. uh, he declared it in a communist book because the guy had no idea what he was talking about. He had no clue about the two satire that Moore is using and employing uh, in its original context. And so, uh, but anyway, there's that. Yeah, that's a really interesting. So yeah, check out that book, St. Thomas More. I think I'm actually going to go purchase this book after our conversation because, you know, I feel like uh, we kind of have a very simplified understanding of St. Thomas More. Like, oh, yes, he was a very a strong man, willing to stand up for marriage. And that's all true. Uh, but I feel like there's so much more there. We don't even think about the fact of uh, so many of his writings that have stood the test of time. But, you know, going back to the topic of lawyers for a second, uh, we were the, the question before I had the break was... Um, what are there are there any other saint lawyers? I mean, you mentioned that that there are a lot of one those who are canon lawyers. I'm thinking uh, the Dominican Order had tons of saints who are canon lawyers. Uh, Jordan of Saxony, the second Master General of the Order, was a was a mm-hmm. uh, canon lawyer. Uh, but what about just like a secular uh, or lawyers? Is, is there anybody else? Well, Saint Alphonsus Liguori is one of the more famous examples because mm-hmm. he didn't practice as a lawyer once he, he entered religion, but uh, he was a secular lawyer. And actually, that becomes the cause of his his becoming um, uh, a priest. Is that you know he had a, he was very young and he was very brilliant and he was well regarded by everyone. And he had a case. He had overlooked some some piece of evidence that actually was very important. It was just an accidental overlooking. And so he'd given this brilliant opening speech. And then the advocate for the other side said, "No, oh, that was a brilliant speech, but um, it, you didn't look at this document, and uh, that, which completely nullified your entire case." And he looked at it. And he said, oh, no, and he felt so humiliated and so embarrassed, and he wouldn't come out of his house for a week. And that's when Alphonsus made a vow to go into religion, and so he became a priest. <laughs> and that's, um, but then besides that, uh, Blessed Antoine Frederick Ozanam. And actually, I've got a book that mentions him. Uh, it's called They Live the Faith, which is about lay Catholics. Um, and so this, this fellow is, um, known as, well, most people, if they know him at all, it's because he's the founder of St. Vincent de Paul, right, as the Vincent oh, de Paul wow. Society, but, um, you know, for the poor. But he, was, he was a French lawyer, civic lawyer, and, you know, did a, a lot of tremendous works of, and employing, you know, Catholic social teaching. And, and so this book I have called They Live the Faith, about, you know, lay Catholics trying their best to, you know, build up you know, and follow the church's social mission in a time post-French Revolution where, you know, the world has changed. And then trying to you know, recover from, because the French Revolution, it really is the, the origin of communism when you get down to it. It is the creation of it. 
and and there's a lot of books that, that bring out about the that nature of it, um, which is that's a topic I can consume several hours. But <laughs> and so the aftermath of that exploding on the scene in in in, in Europe and how that affects so much, you know, it brings a lot of challenges for the church. So um, so anyways, his name again is Blessed Antoine Frederick Ozanam, and um, you know you can read more about him in that book. They live the faith, but anyway. Wow. So you know, and there's, there's there's several others that I you know I can't call to mind just just now who were mm-hmm. civil lawyers, um, you know, but there were. But the vast majority of the, the lawyers that there were saints were canon lawyers. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting because it's difficult to live in the world and have a job like that and still be saintly, but it's possible, and we know it's possible, and I think it's important to look to these people who are living the faith uh, to recognize that, yeah, no matter what your job is, and now I'm interested in this other book. See, every time I go to Mediatrics Press, I end up spending <laughs> more money than I want to, because now I'm looking at They Live the Faith and these great lay leaders of modern times, and I'm like, man, I want to get this book too now. Uh, so I got to stop right. going to Mediatrics Press, but uh, that's just very good. Praise be to God. I, you're, as a lay person, you're living the life in a in the world, how on earth do we in a I mean you look at the world today and it's utter chaos constantly just craziness and the laws do not reflect the laws divine how do we live a catholic life in the in this um, decadent society yeah it's um that that is the challenge of every society though ultimately I mean you look at christians in ancient rome um you know, in the second and third centuries, um, in the in the Roman Empire, you know, and, and that would have been one of the worst temptations you can think of. Um, Saint Cyprian comes to mind actually in this way, uh, where you know he, he's some of his earlier works. You know, he starts reflecting on um, the lukewarmness of his life, and and now as as a, a since you know sincerely living Catholic. And then, especially later as a priest and then a bishop, you know he's um, you know motivated with the zeal, but you know he was clergy. What about average people? And, and it was hard. The allurement of things. That's why, like in the early church, they said you know you shouldn't go to the you know these games because they, they're dedicated to these gods. But the, it was principally too it's the allurement of them away from living you know a Catholic life. They're worried about. But you can have, and you see in Thomas More, you can have. Um, you know, one foot in both places as long as your priorities are straight. Um, more followed the social circles uh, of his position and state in life. I mean, his father was a lawyer also, and John Moore. And, you know, the, the social circles, the, the career that he runs really is uh, kind of determined by his, by his class and whatnot, but he always noted for his piety at every level. Um, Moore even, you know, employs, he's, he's very jovial. He's very, he's very uh, witty, and he had to deal with very uh, complicated things. Um, his wife died very young, after only about six years of marriage, um, although she'd given him his, his children, and, you know, and that was a complicated thing. And so his parish priest says that, that uh, Moore came because he was going to get remarried, and he wanted to do it all really quick, and he would have had to wait an extra month so the bands of marriage could be read, the bands if you don't know, is when they would announce, okay, so-and-so are getting married from this place and this place. If anyone knows of any reason why they should, they can't be, you know, please come to the priest and declare it. Those are the bands. And so that would have taken an extra month. And so uh, Moore's pastor record, um, 
records that he came to him and said, you know, and he was a very devout soul and asked him if he could forego the bands and just, just get it done with very quickly. So because, uh, you know, when people look at that, they're like, wait a minute, he got married in like a month after his wife died? Well, yeah, because he had a, a, not just his own children, but a large household and he needed to get that, you know, to work and he couldn't be gone as often as he was with, with business. And so, yeah, we got to get this done. <laughs> so that, that's why, you know, the, in the 16th century, so it's, you know, your position and, and things of that sort. It's not always, you know, kind of romance. It's very frequently you find that sort of thing. You know, the, there's and, a quote and I wanted to see, cause we're running out of time. We have about a minute and a half left in our conversation here. Um, and I wanted to know if this is a authentic quote or not. Maybe you know, maybe you don't know the answer to this. Uh, there is a quote attributed to St. Thomas More that there's no society so bad that a good man cannot live in it. Um, is that an authentic quote and what is it, what are they trying to say here? Um, I don't know about that. Um, but uh, it's certainly, you know, it certainly represents the spirit because at least he's going to try. Um, and going back to his work, Topia, which is one of the work that he's most well known for, mm-hmm. especially even in and out of Catholic circles, more um, what was he doing there? Is he's talking about the, this ideal state that's got these things that turn various notions on their head, the utopia and the stone of gold, they have property in common, right? And, and it's like, but more is not depicting this. There's, there's a lot of satire going on. Mm-hmm. And really what it is, it's, it's, the, it's described as England. He's trying to say, like Augustine, the city of God, there is no good public out here. We are just out of time, unfortunately. If you're going to want to learn more about that, speaking of Thomas More, you're going to have to go to Mediatrix Press and check out the book on Thomas More there. Mediatrix Press. Thank you, Ryan Grant. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, religion can never depend on minute disputes about doctrine? G.K. Chesterton says that's like saying that life can never depend on minute disputes about medicine. Will the man who says we don't want theologians splitting hairs also say we don't want surgeons splitting filaments more delicate than hairs? Many a man would be dead today if his doctors had not debated fine shades about doctoring. It's also a fact that Western civilization would be dead today if its doctors of divinity had not debated fine shades about doctrine. We depend on doctors of medicine. We can also depend on the doctors of the church. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. This is Sarah Soto, Thursday host of A Life Lived Joyfully, where we explore the call to holiness and the life of virtue, inviting you to join the program daily at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Guadalupe Radio Network. You can also listen to us on your smartphone by downloading the Guadalupe Radio Network app from the App Store or Google Play. We hope you can join us. God bless you. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What's your go-to for interpreting the Bible? You go on Sinatra, he did it his way, or you go on Magisterium, we're doing it the Apostles' way. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. The Magisterium. What's that? That's the indisputable 2,000-year teaching authority of the Church. The Catechism says, the task of giving an authentic interpretation of the Word of God has been entrusted to the living teaching office of the Catholic Church alone. Secondly, a stark contrast. Again, the Catechism says, the Magisterium is not 
not superior to the Word of God, but it is its servant. In contrast, the megachurch pastors are coming up with some crazy stuff. They tell us, quote, God is doing a new thing, or the Lord spoke to me this. Humorously, out from all of this, they become their own pseudo-magisterium. And thirdly, Mr. Sinatra, your voice and your music in the 40s swooned my mother, but with lofty lyrics and a lot of ego, your advice from the 1975 hit, I did it my way, falls short. Come on, let's get under the comforting shade of the magisterium. Hi, this is Dave Palmer. Do you love all that you're learning about the Catholic Church here on the GRN? And are you ready to dive into the deep? If so, join us each Friday afternoon beginning at 1 p.m. Central for Back to the Father on the GRN's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages as we discuss key teachings of St. Thomas Aquinas' Summa Theologia and their application to our everyday journey through this life and our goal of returning back to the Father. Hi, I'm Father Ricardo Ariola from St. Bartholomew the Apostle. You're listening to AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. St. Thomas More, talking about St. Thomas More with Mediatrics Press, Ryan Grant, or I said that completely backwards, Mediatrics Press's Ryan Grant. We're talking about that. It was really interesting. Uh, Cecil, what did you think about that conversation? really enjoyed it. I think St. Thomas More, all of our saints are very interesting, but his story in particular, I think, um, is interesting. I read some of the things that he wrote, and um, it's a little over my head sometimes, but <laughs> I enjoy it. You know, I, I think it's funny because St. Thomas More is one of the few saints that they actually read in secular circles. Like right, Utopia. right, because he, yeah, he p- passes over because, you know, he was just so brilliant. Yeah, it's really interesting and because he wasn't like a a religious priest or brother or something like that. They're like, oh, we can just treat him like a like a lawyer because he was a like uh, like like um, Ryan mentioned. He was a, a very very important lawyer and judge in the uh, in in England at the time, which English common law is incredibly influential on American law. Right. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, but joining us right now is Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today. Uh, good morning to you, Alan. Uh, good morning, Adrian. It is great to be with you. A different setting today. Of course, you're off in Dallas, and uh, I'm still here in Canada. Uh, but we're doing this via phone today, so uh, a little bit different than the Zoom chat. But uh, we'll get it done. Yeah, it's unfortunate not to see your uh, your smiling face this morning, but uh, it's good to have you on. We're going to talk about, you know, we mentioned at the top of the show about the holy face because uh, we have a dear friend and listener of the show who created a website um, giving away free images of the Holy Face. Blessedbehisholyface.com is the name of it. And I love, I've recently started to foster this kind of devotion, but you've had this devotion for a long time, so tell me about it. Yeah, I, you know, I think um, Fulton Sheen kind of tipped me off to St. Therese, the little flower. Of course, her official title is St. Therese, of the Child Jesus and the Holy Face. And as I started to read Fulton Sheen's writings on St. Therese, I started to see that he was recommending to us to have this devotion. Uh, we all have different types of devotion. Uh, some, of course, it's the rosary. Others, it's the chaplet of divine mercy. Uh, but for me, it's the holy hour and the holy face uh, because uh, it's, it's really needed in this time. Um, you know, the word reparation, I think sometimes is, is kind of um, shied away from. You know, do you want to make some reparation? And you kind of go, not really. You know, I'd rather not. I'd rather not fast and, 
and offer up, you know, sacrifice for, you know, in payment of my sins. But uh, it's a word that we shy away from. But yet, Fulton Sheen uh, is really stressing we need to make reparation. And one of the easiest ways to make reparation is to have a devotion to the holy face. And, um, you know, it only takes a few minutes a day. Um, it's a holy practice where you can just spend a few moments looking on the face of Jesus. Um, I like to say we're getting ready for eternity when we will, uh, you know, gaze upon the beatific vision. But still, it's one of these things that's fallen out of favor. Uh, just like the crucifix has disappeared from many buildings and places, uh, so the holy face of Jesus, those beautiful images, have also disappeared. And I think it's important that we bring this back. And uh, again, I cannot applaud enough the efforts of your good friend in trying to share this beautiful devotion to the Holy Face. Yeah, amen. You know, it's something that I think is more necessary now than perhaps ever before. I think I think of uh, Our Lady La Salette, who was weeping because people were blaspheming the Holy Name and working on Sunday. And now uh, we don't even have any laws protecting Sunday when blasphemy is just uttered constantly in our lives. And you mentioned the holy hour. I we mentioned we were talking about the holy hour not that long ago on Catholic Drive Time a couple of days ago, and Fulton Sheen I think is the model of the holy hour in the modern world today. Let's bring up that for a second. You have um, the Bishop Sheen today has a book on Fulton Sheen in devotion to the holy hour. Tell me about that. Right, it's uh, called the Holy Hour Prayer Book. It's very simple title, and it's a book that Fulton Sheen uh, produced in the 1940s. Uh, the war was raging in the world, and Fulton Sheen knew that prayer was the answer, and he wanted to develop the holy habit of us praying an hour each day. Uh, we go back to the scriptures where our blessed Lord was in the garden, uh, suffering and uh, sweating blood, and yet he said to his apostles, could you not spend one hour with me? And so that clarion call to all of us to spend an hour with the Lord, even if we're not Catholic. Uh, we always think of Catholics when they spend a holy hour, they go to the church, they put themselves in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament and spend an hour there. Uh, but yet he was asking even Protestants and Jews to pray for one hour with the scriptures. It's that holy habit of setting time for the Lord uh, we tithe our financial gifts, many of us, uh, to our church and to good causes. But do we tithe our time? Do we give God, uh, you know, 10% of our time? And one of the easiest ways to do that is to spend an hour in prayer. But it was that call to get to know Jesus. I think we all crave that. It's like, how do I get closer to Jesus? Well, go and sit in front of Jesus and talk to Jesus and listen to Jesus. And uh, it's amazing, and of course Fulton Sheen gives this great quote, he gives what he calls a challenge to everyone, and he says, I just, you know, challenge everyone to sit in a Catholic church. Just go in, peek your head in the door, sit in the back pew if you want, but if you sit there for just one hour, you will notice that there is something very special there. And that's something special, is our Lord. And so, again, we cannot stress enough the need to visit our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And many of us had that tradition as children to just spend, you know, five minutes here, ten minutes there, 
pop our head in the door and say hello to Jesus. So, uh, again, it's relationship, and the Holy Hour helps build good relationships. You know, Alan, I was thinking as you were saying that, the gospel from today, you know, referring to St. Bartholomew, verse 45 and 46 of John chapter 1 says, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus the son of Joseph of Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything of good come from Nazareth? Philip saith to him, Come and see. And I think what you're saying here is exactly what Philip says. He says, Come and see. And he takes... He takes Nathaniel and brings him to go face to face with our Lord. And in the book you're referring to, the Holy Hour prayer book, it even says, Saint uh, Fulton Sheen, I already called him Saint, uh, Fulton Sheen says, the Holy Hour is not a devotion. It is a sharing in the work of redemption. Could you not watch one hour with me? Not for an hour of activity, did he plead, but an hour of companionship. Oh, what say you, Alan Smith? Um, it is so true because I think, you know, that, that beautiful saying that says, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. Um, you know, if we make Jesus our friend, spend time with him, we become like him. And uh, we think of, you know, the radiance that uh, uh, some people in their face and their demeanor, uh, those people that I know that are dedicated to the holy hour, you see something very beautiful in their face. Um, you know, of course, we think of Moses and how his face was changed when he had the encounter with God on the mountain and received the Ten, the, uh, ten Commandments. Uh, of course, uh, but Peter saw our Lord transfigured and um, had the encounter with his holy face. And so it's this idea of seeing God face to face. And what's beautiful is that, um, you know, there is that scripture that says that, you know, we can't look upon God or we would die. Um, you know, it's just, it's one of these things. But yet, our Lord, out of great love, veils himself so that he can still be with us. And he veils himself in the sacred host. But yet he's there. He's there. And uh, But yet we see him face to face. And I think this is why Fulton Sheen was so adamant about saying, you know, bring your your notes and make homilies and and uh, have conversations with God. Talk to him about your problems. Um, you know, do the talking, but do the listening too. But again, adore him. I mean, every time I look at my grandchildren, I see this, these beautiful faces. And of course, uh, many of the saints had this devotion to the child Jesus, not just St. Therese, but others. And they would just ponder the beauty of the child's face, the innocence, the holiness. And I think we become what we look at. And so if we look at good and holy things, hopefully we become good and holy. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's something important, um, especially regarding the holy face, right, is having holy images around you. I'm reading this book. It's called, um, and I mentioned this in the past, it's called, and I'm forgetting all of a sudden, Union with Mary. Union with Mary by Father Newbert, I believe. And in it, it regards many different things that we can do to have greater devotion to the Blessed Virgin. And I think this applies across the board with all the saints and our Lord himself, is having these holy images. Because like you said, if we have these things, if we set up a little cross in our car, we set up say, an image in our workplace, we put an image over our bed, though it, so that way, no matter where we go, we're constantly thinking about something holy. 
And then it also becomes an opportunity to talk about something holy with other people. Because we should. This should be the center of our lives, and it's not. And whenever we have these things, and many we talked earlier about struggling to make friends who are Catholic, who are devout in their faith, well, one way to find out who those people are is to exude your faith out in the public sphere and like people will meet with like people. You will draw those people to yourself. Uh, what say you, Alan? Yeah, I think, you know, your, your commentary about setting up these little mini shrines in our cars, in our office, um, to carry holy pictures with us. I know I have a picture of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Holy Face in my wallet. And mm-hmm. so every time I open my wallet, people will say, you know, may see the picture. Uh, it reminds me, of course, that our Lord and Our Lady are with me as I'm out shopping and doing my, my business. But it's so, um, so, so beneficial to the soul to have these holy images everywhere. And I think of the story of St. Vincent de Paul and how he had a troubled child that was giving him nothing but grief. And he said to the child, he says, I want to just um, give you a challenge. And uh, he says, what's that? He says, take this picture of the holy face and promise me that you'll look at it every day um, just just for a few moments. And, And that's all I'm asking. He says, that's all? He says, that's all. And so the young troubled child took the picture of the holy face home and, of course, put it on his nightstand. And the first day, he looked at it for just about 10 seconds and threw it back down. The second day, a little bit longer. The third day, a little bit longer. And by the 13th day of looking at that picture of the holy face, the young boy said to St. Vincent de Paul, I want you to hear my confession. I want to be good. I realize that my sin has cost our Lord you know, to suffer. I see it in his face. He's disappointed in me. I want to be good. And so just the power of that little prayer card of the Holy Face converted that troubled boy, and it can have the same effect on us. When we look upon the face of Christ and see his anguish, we realize that we had something to do with it, and we can make it up to him. We can be the Veronicas of today, Mm. uh, wiping the face of our Lord, helping him out, and, of course, making up for the many blasphemies against our Lord's holy name, the Holy Day of Sunday, and, you know, I just, it's unbelievable. So, devotion to the Holy Face. We recommend it to everyone. Amen. And that's about it. We have all we have time for today. God bless you, Alan, and hopefully we'll see you in the after show. Okay. Very good. And that's going to do it. We're going to go into our Fear and Trembling game show. You could be the winner. Call now, 877-757-9424. That number, 877-757-9424. Call now. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. 
Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed in a church down the street. Hey, Donnie, name four of the seven sacraments. Baptism, confession. That's right, reconciliation. Communion and confirmation. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of the game show Fear and Trembling. You could be a winner. How? Could you be a winner? You may ask. Well, it's very simple. All you got to do is pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424. When you dial that number, you if you're the first caller, you will have an opportunity to win this week's prize. But before we give away and tell you what the prize is that you could win, well, first you have to call in that number, 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. Here is what you're listening to. This is what you're calling in for. We have three Catholic trivia questions. And in these threat Catholic trivia questions, the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. You don't need to know the answers at all. You could know nothing about Catholic trivia and you could still win. How, you may ask? Well, it's very simple because I'm going to ask Sissel the questions. She's going to give me an answer and it's your job to tell me whether or not she is right or whether or not she is wrong, which means there is a 50-50 chance of you getting it right, even if you just guess the answer. So that's a really great opportunity there. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Sissel. What could they win? That's a great question, Adrian. Our sponsor this week is Conversion Starters. ConversionStarters.com makes evangelization easy and painless for everyone. Conversion Starter t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs catch people's eye and pique their curiosity by featuring common questions about Catholicism. And then there's also a link on the t-shirt as well where they can go and find those brief and easy-to-understand answer to those questions. And so what people can win this week is a Why Do Catholics Pray the Rosary tote bag and a Why Do Catholics Pray to Saints mug which both have a very cute design. There's a bunch of saints on the mug, so I actually have that mug myself. Oh, wow. Praise be to God. Well, check it out. Uh, Go to conversionstarters.com and check out their materials there. It's really cool. And a mug, a tote bag, you could win it. How do you win it? 877-757-9424. The first caller is always the person we take. And that number one more time to win this week's prize, 877 757 
1-800-242-4424. I have to say it slowly because people are like, Adrian, you talk too fast. Uh, <laughs> it's too early in the morning, too. You know, you got to really, your brain is moving a little bit slower than usual. Uh, my brain is always moving slow. <laughs> <laughs> That's that number, 877-757-9424. We always take the very first caller. And if you would like, I mean, I know many people would like to write that number down. Well, you can get that number on our website as well, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. The number of 877-757-9424 is listed there. So if you're driving, you're like, Adrian, I can't, can't be doing all this. I can't juggling all this stuff while I'm driving. You can always go to our website and get the information there. And I think that would be an excellent opportunity for you. Um, so make sure you check that out and we'd be very grateful to be able to go and find that information and write it down and be able to have a caller on the board. That number 877-757-9424. The good news is I'm looking over on my left here and uh, right now is a perfect opportunity because the next person to call in will in fact have the opportunity to win the prize because uh, right now the phone lines are wide open. So it's your chance to win. That number, one last time, 877-757-9424. And here's the trick. If there's no caller on the line in the next mm, minute, then what we're going to do is we're going to go through the questions anyway, and I'm going to just assign prizes or assign a person to receive those prize. So that's what we're going to do if there's no caller in in the next minute. So that number one last time, and then we're going to switch over 877-757-9424. Look at these questions here. And I got to say, two out of three of these questions are super easy, are super easy. Two out of three are, I'm going to say, is going to be a, um, a, what is it? I'm going to try and think of my sports analogies are just like non-existent. I'm just trying to remember a, a sports analogy I'm trying to make, but it's going to be easy. It's a, it's a walk in the park. There you go. I can say that instead because that's uh, something that I can associate with. Uh, but it looks like we have some callers on. And if you don't get on today, well, make sure that you call in tomorrow and we will be able to have you on for this game show. Uh, joining us right now is Carrie. Good morning to you, Carrie. Morning. Uh, Carrie, where are you calling in from? Luganbach, Texas. Luganbach, Texas. Praise be to God. You're a repeat caller, no? Yes, sir. Praise be to God. Well, we'd love to have you, and we love Luganbach, Texas, even though I've never been there. I'd love to go to Luganbach, Texas. I think I said this last time you called in, um, but I, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I, all I can think of is, is the music. Um, but what else is Luganbach, Texas known for? There's a dance hall and there's a beer joint. There you go. That's, <laughs> what that's more the do entire, you need? <laughs> that's the entire city. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Praise be to God. And uh, where are you off to this morning? Oh, just go ahead and feed the cows. Make sure they're they're okay. Praise be to God. You know, it's funny. Someone, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and they said, Adrian, you know, for some reason, I associate you with farms and animals and ranching and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't know where you got that idea from. I literally... I've lived in the city my entire life, and I have no idea how to farm or raise animals. I'd love to learn, uh, but I don't know anything about it, so I don't know why people associate that with me. But <laughs> praise be to God, that's awesome. I'd love to uh, learn how to do some, um, what is it called, husbandry, animal husbandry, something like that. Or maybe yes, that's uh, so something like that. I, I, know, I know something, at least. All right, Carrie. 
Um, we have three questions on the board. Are you ready to play? Yes, sir. All right. Let's jump into it then. Question number one for you, Sissel. All right. I'm ready. The question on the board is, the house in which parish priests in the United States live is usually called what? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Let me think about this a second. One. Oh, okay. Whoa, I didn't know I had a timer. <laughs> um, I think, I think, I'm pretty certain actually, that they're called priest places. Priest places. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I like the alliteration. Thank you. It's a yeah, good, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's why that was chosen that way. Yeah, you know, well, it did specifically say the United States, so that would work out. You know, yeah. Priest places. Yeah, like we that. like alliteration in the United States. Ah, makes sense. All right, Carrie, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, the house in which parish priests in, in the United States live is usually called what? Sissel says they're priest places. Uh, what say you, Carrie, from Lugenbach, Texas? Well, in Fredericksburg, we call it the rectory, so I have to disagree. You have to disagree. Well, maybe they do things different in, in, uh, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) It is correct. It is, in fact, a rectory. That was where they live. Um, so could not be fooled. Carrie knows the answers. Um, they, I really tried, too. I, I really did try. I mean, I would have went with priest places just because that's a fun thing to say. <laughs> I'm going to text my uh, priest friend later and be like, so how's uh, living how's in the priest, the priest place? place? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll go, ask folks. my parish priest that, too. <laughs> the, um, they, and immediately, I was thinking refectory, which is where they mm-hmm. eat. Yeah, yeah, slightly different, although yeah. a very important place as well. Yeah, the second holiest place in a monastery what they say really yeah the chapel is the holiest place and the refectory is the second holiest place all right carrie the question the second question are you ready yes let's jump into it i this is gonna be easy piece oh cakewalk that's is that what i want to say i don't know uh the question is what what you're trying to say (laughs) like a walk in the park (laughs) a walk in the park what does the word catholic mean Ooh, this is easy this is easy easy. i am and I'm glad for Muy Carrie's fácil. sake, you know, very, very glad. Uh, I'm going to say that Catholic means universal. Universal. Like studios. Yes. Like universal uh-huh. studios. Um, universal stole it from us. So, so we could call it Catholic studios. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Rebranded. Mm. It could use some rebranding, I'm sure. One holy universal church. Okay, an apostolic. All right, Carrie, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what does the word Catholic mean? Sissel says it means universal. Very obvious, very clear, very straightforward. What say you, Carrie? Is she trying to trick you or is she telling you the truth? Oh, Miss Sissel is so smart. That is correct. Oh, oh so nice. Carrie's, Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, very kind. Very kind. I, I like to think I'm pretty smart sometimes. <laughs> you know, um, if you were only humble, you'd be perfect. Yes, I'd be a perfect person. See, that's why I'm not perfect. I'm not I'm not our blessed mother and I'm not Jesus. So There you go, folks. There you go. All righty, Carrie, you're doing great. It's two for two. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know. Question number three here. Looks like the hardest question we've ever had in the history of Catholic Drive Time. I don't know if you're going to be able to get this one right. Are you ready, Carrie? Yes, sir. All right. This question. Sissel. Oh, no. Here's the question. What is the name for the container which holds, I was going to say which contains, which (laughs) Which is kind of redundant, (laughs) which holds the sacramental wine? Ooh. 
what continuum? I know most people probably have never even heard this word before. I don't think. I don't know. Um, I'm going to go back to my trusty alliteration friend okay. here. And I think, again, okay. we like alliteration. So I think we call it mm-hmm. the Cabernet glass. The cap- that's not alliteration. Oh, but Cabernet is a... That's a that's a wine, right? Yeah, yeah Cabernet. I, I don't know anything about it's a wine. red wine too. Oh, it's a red wine. It's oh, a cap. Wow. So it's a Cabernet Cabernet container, I should say. Oh, that was my alliteration. There you. That, <laughs> that makes sense to me. I'm following. I I am picking up what you are putting down, as the young people would say. Um, I'm young, right? I think I'm young. Yeah, yeah, I, don't I think know. so. If you're young, I'm young. All right, Carrie, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what is the name for the container for sacramental wine? Sissel says it's the Cabernet container. Uh, what say you, Carrie? Uh, you North Texas people are so tricky. No, that is not correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if you're... There you go. That is, in fact... Uh, I, I should have gotten a little trickier on that, you know? Well, the correct answer is I'm chalice. And I'm sure yes. you knew that, Carrie. I didn't need to tell you. Uh, chalice is the correct answer. That's three for three. You got the hardest question we've ever had on the history of Catholic Drive Time. Correct. Uh, so congratulations to you, Carrie. Um, and have a great day. What kind of animals do you raise? We have uh, cows and goats. Cows wow. and goats. I'm always taking notes with these kind of things because I'm like, I want to... I want to get some land and raise animals. I don't know anything about that, and I don't even I, know. You know, it's always tempting, and I'm just remembering that, like, I I barely am able to raise my dogs. So <laughs> I, I killed a cactus. Right, so, we, we did discuss this. Yeah, we so about maybe, this. maybe I, this is not the best career path. <laughs> I need to I need to find someone to teach me what I'm doing. All right, Carrie, praise be to God. Thank you very much. Um, that's gonna be do it. Um, that's gonna do it. That's gonna be do it. I can't speak. Here we go. So. Stay on the line, Carrie. We're going to put you on hold and get your contact information. But God bless you. God love you. And have a nice day. Thank you, sir. You too. Amen. Amen. All right. If you want to join us in the after show, please do so. Hop on Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, Odyssey, Twitter. We'll love to interact with you directly. Whatever it is you want to talk about, we'll talk about. But if not, we'll see you back here at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you very soon. And remember... Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Especially during the month of August, we dedicate ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary as well. Now, Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us to have recourse to thee. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Christi, home of the soul community. Today we celebrate the feast of St. Bartholomew, Apostle. We celebrate the sacrifice of the Holy Mass for all here present, for those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media. 
Hallelujah, sing to Jesus, his the scepter, his the throne. Alleluia, is the triumph, is the victory alone. Hark the songs of peaceful Zion, thunder like a mighty flood. Jesus, out of every nation, hath redeemed us by his blood. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of good will. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Strengthen in us, O Lord, the faith by which the blessed Apostle Bartholomew clung wholeheartedly to your Son, 
and grant that through the help of his prayers your church may become for all the nations the sacrament of salvation. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Revelation. The angel spoke to me, saying, Come here. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. He took me in spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It gleamed with the splendor of God. Its radiance was like that of a precious stone, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a massive high wall with twelve gates where twelve angels were stationed and on which names were inscribed, the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. There were three gates facing east, three north, three south, and three west. The wall of the city had twelve courses of stones at its foundation on which were inscribed the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Your responsorial psalm. Your friends make known, O Lord, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your friends make known, O Lord, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse all the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. Your, your friends make known, O Lord, the, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your friends make known, O Lord, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Making known to men your might and your glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingdom for all ages, and your domination endures through all generations. Your, your friends, friends make known, O Lord, the glorious, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. The Lord is just in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Your, your friends make known, O Lord, Lord the, the glorious splendor of, of your kingdom. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one about whom Moses wrote in the law, and also the prophets, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. But Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come from Nazareth? 
Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Here is a true child of Israel. There is no duplicity in him. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And he said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today we celebrate this great apostle, St. Bartholomew. You might wonder in the Gospel why it speaks about Nathaniel, because, well, other than him, his name being mentioned, Bartholomew, in the list of the apostles, and near, almost always after St. Philip, because he is the one who brought him, uh, but we, we don't hear anything else about Bartholomew, which would simply mean son of Ptolemy. But we do hear a little bit more about Nathaniel, and we never hear his name listed among the apostles, so it's probably, or tradition tells us, that these two were one and the same. That Bartholomew, son of Ptolemy, was really also known as Nathaniel. Maybe that was really his, his first name. And we hear in the Gospel of this encounter that Nathaniel has with Jesus, or at least before that, he's called, or he's invited by Philip to come and see this person whom we have found to be the Messiah, but he's, he's not buying it. What good can come from really Nazareth, right? Well, we know, of course, that Jesus doesn't come from Nazareth. He was actually born in Bethlehem, but really he comes from the Father. He is sent by the Father. And Nathaniel will then very, very gradually come to understand this. But this encounter with, with, uh, with Jesus is, is really interesting. When Nathaniel is coming, Jesus says of him, Here is a true child of Israel. There is no duplicity in him. It may actually be referring to one of the Psalms that said, you know, that there, there's no duplicity. It means there is, there's, he's not two-faced. What you see is what you get, what we say today, right? What you see is what you get. So you can even tell by Nathaniel's response to Philip's invitation you know, about Jesus from Nazareth, what good can come from Nazareth, he, he speaks his mind. And this is in it being a true child of Israel. Jesus, in a sense, kind of appreciates that. You know, he doesn't have to beat around the bush. He could tell him straight. And he does when he says, how do you know me? And Jesus refers to this incident that Nathaniel would have understood immediately in his mind, some experience in his life, something that happened under some fig tree. We don't know what it is. We don't have insight into that. But something happened, and what, he, what Nathaniel realized is that God, in Jesus Christ, knew, was seeing him. I saw you under the fig tree to be seen by God. That is really something that's actually fundamental in our life, just as foundational as the 12 stones of the apostles in the book of Revelation that we heard, that God sees us. I remember a long, some time ago when I was going on a retreat, the retreat director invited me at the beginning, every time that I would come before uh, the Lord to do my prayer time, he would say, I want you to allow God to look at you. Which is very different from me going to, and we're seeking God, right? So I'm coming into the chapel and I'm, I'm going to look at God and I'm trying to picture him, imagine him in my, in my imagination. 
And he's, just, and he's basically inviting me to something different, to allow God to look at me. And sometimes like, I, this makes me very uncomfortable sometimes, because isn't it true that, and this still happens with me, that sometimes I come before God, I don't want him to see all of my garbage, or the things that I'm struggling with, or the temptations that I feel like I'm going through. I don't want him to see all these different things. I want him to see the nice side of me. <laughs> you know, the holy part of me, which, yes, I want to be open to God, but I don't want him to see all that junk. And Nathaniel, see that when Nathaniel be a man of not who does not have duplicity, what you see is what you get. When we come before God, He sees us completely as we are, even all of our garbage, and that doesn't make Him recoil from us. Rather, it makes Him come closer to us. But that's something that we have to kind of practice and continually do in our life. In some ways, Philip's invitation is to come and see, is really to come and be seen, <laughs> to be seen by Jesus. St. Bartholomew, who gave his life, probably by being filleted, but he gave his life for Jesus in, in, in witness to him, may he help us to obtain that grace, to, to know that God sees us always, always, and invites us into deeper communion with him, just as he did Nathaniel. And may we receive that grace in a special way today. Amen. Let's now bring our prayers and petitions before our Heavenly Father. Let us pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for the Church. And through the intercession of St. Bartholomew, they may ever have a great zeal to serve and to love the Lord, to witness to him to the world. Let us pray to the Lord. Let's pray for those who are struggling in temptation uh, or various uh, difficulties in their life, to know that God sees them, he sees us, and he's always with us in the struggle. He always gives us the grace sufficient for our salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. For the sick, uh, those who who are in need of healing, let's ask the Lord to pour forth his healing power upon them, to strengthen them in their faith. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray for those who have died, for all, those, for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray for all those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio Network, those who are here present for all of our intentions, those enrolled in our Salt Mass Association. Let us pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, hear our prayers, grant our petitions according to your holy will, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you fruit of the vine, the work of human hands, will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever.
pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. As we celebrate anew the feast day of St. Bartholomew, O Lord, we pray that we may obtain your help through the intercession of the Apostle, in whose honor we bring you this sacrifice of praise, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For you, Eternal Shepherd, do not desert your flock, but through the blessed apostles, watch over it and protect it always, so that it may be governed by those you have appointed shepherds, to lead it in the name of your Son. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as with and without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt celi et terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me.
the mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we, who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Bartholomew, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth. With your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis, 
Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy. You should enter under my roof. But only say the word and my soul shall be healed. I confer a kingdom on you, just as my Father has conferred one on me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, says the Lord. For those who cannot receive communion and those joining us online, we pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, Come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Let us pray. As we celebrate the feast day of the blessed Apostle Bartholomew, we have received the pledge of eternal salvation, O Lord, and we pray that it may help be of help to us, both now and for the life to come, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. May God, who has granted you to stand firm on apostolic foundations, graciously bless you through the glorious merits of the holy apostle Bartholomew. Amen. And may he who endowed you with the teaching and example of the apostles make you under their protection witnesses to the truth before all. Amen. So that the prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. 
be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy that Thy peace always, in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Jenny Granero from the St. Cecilia 